Letter eight of Clarissa Harlowe, Volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Clarissa Harlowe, Volume three, by Samuel Richardson. Letter eight. Miss Howe to Miss Clarissa Harlowe, Wednesday night, April twelfth. I have your narrative my dear you are the same noble creature you ever were above disguise above art above attempting to extenuate a failing the only family in the world yours surely that could have driven such a daughter upon such extremities but you must not be so very much too good for them and for the case you lay the blame so properly and so unsparingly upon your meeting him that nothing can be that nothing can be added to that subject by your worst enemies were they to see what you have written i am not surprised now i have read your narrative that so bold and so contriving a man i am forced to break off you stood it out much better and longer here again comes my bustling jealous mother don't be angry at yourself did you not do for the best at the time as to your first fault the answering his letters it was always incumbent upon you to assume the guardianship of such a family when the bravo of it had run riot as he did and brought himself into danger except your mother who has no will of her own have any of them common sense forgive me my dear here is that stupid uncle antony of yours a pragmatical conceited positive he came yesterday in a fearful pucker and puffed and blowed and stumped about our hall and parlour while his message was carried up my mother was dressing these widows are as starched as the old bachelors she would not see him in a dishabille for the world what can she mean by it his errand was to set her against you and to show her the determined rage on your going away the issue proved too evidently that this was the principal end of his visit the odd creature desired to speak with her alone i am not used to such exceptions whenever any visits are made to my mother when she was primed out down she came to him they locked themselves in the two positive heads were put together close together i suppose for i listened but could hear nothing distinctly though they both seemed full of their subject i had a good mind once or twice to have made them open the door could i have been sure of keeping but tolerably my temper i would have demanded admittance but i was afraid if i had obtained it that i should have forgot it was my mother's house and been for turning him out of it to come to rave against and abuse my dearest dearest faultless friend and the ravings to be encouraged and perhaps joined in in order to justify themselves the one for contributing to drive that dear friend out of her father's house the other for refusing her a temporary asylum till the reconciliation could have been effected which her dutiful heart was set upon and which it would have become the love which my mother had ever pretended for you to have mediated for could i have had patience the issue as i said showed what the errand was its fusty appearance after the old fusty fellow was marched off you must excuse me my dear was in a kind of gloomy harlow-like reservedness in my mother 
which upon a few resenting flirts of mine was followed by a rigorous prohibition of correspondence this puts us you may suppose upon terms not the most agreeable i desired to know if i were prohibited dreaming of you for my dear you have all my sleeping as well as waking hours i can easily allow for your correspondence with your wretch at first and yet your notions were excellent by the effect this prohibition has on me since if possible it has made me love you better than before and i am more desirous than ever of corresponding with you but i have nevertheless a much more laudable motive i should think myself the unworthiest of creatures should i be brought to slight a dear friend and such a meritorious one in her distress i would die first and so i told my mother and i have desired her not to watch me in my retired hours nor to insist upon my lying with her constantly which she now does more earnestly than ever to a better i told her that the harlowe betty were borrowed to be set over me mr hickman who so greatly honours you has unknown to me interposed so warmly in your favour with my mother that it makes for him no small merit with me i cannot at present write to every particular unless i would be in set defiance tease 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 for ever the same thing though answered fifty times over in every hour to be repeated lord bless me what a life must my poor father but let me remember to whom i am writing if this ever active ever mischievous monkey of a man this lovelace contrived as you suspect but here comes my mother again i stay a little longer my mamma if you please i can but be chidden for making you wait and chidden i am sure to be whether i do or not in the way you my good mamma are antonied into bless me how impatient she is how she thunders at the door this moment madam how came i to double lock myself in what have i done with the key deuce take the key dear madam you flutter one so you may believe my dear that i took care of my papers before i opened the door we have had a charming dialogue she flung from me in a passion so what's now to be done sent for down in a very peremptory manner i assure you what an incoherent letter you will have when i get it to you but now i know where to send it mr hickman shall find me a messenger yet if he be detected poor soul he will be harlowed off as well as his meek mistress thursday april thirteenth i have this moment your continuation letter and am favoured at present with the absence of my argus-eyed mother dear creature i can account for all your difficulties a young lady of your delicacy and with such a man i must be brief the man's a fool my dear with all his pride and with all his complaisance and affected regards to your injunctions yet his ready inventions sometimes i think you should go to lady betty's i know not what to advise you to do i should if you were not so intent upon reconciling yourself to your relations yet they are implacable you can have no hopes of them your uncle's errand to my mother may convince you of that and if you have an answer to your letter to your sister that will confirm you i dare say you are not to have been afraid of asking me whether upon reading your narrative i thought any extenuation could lie for what you have done i have as above before i had your question told you my mind as to that and i repeat i think 
your provocations and inducements considered that every young creature was who took such a step but you took it not you were driven on one side and possibly tricked on the other if any woman on earth shall be circumstanced as you were and shall hold out so long as you did against her persecutors on one hand and her seducer on the other i will forgive her for all the rest of her conduct be it what it will all your acquaintance you may suppose talk of nobody but you some indeed bring your admirable character for a plea against you but anybody does or can acquit your father and uncles everybody seems apprised of your brothers and sisters motives your flight is no doubt the very thing they aim to drive you to by the various attacks they made upon you unhoping as they must do all the time the success of their schemes in solmes's behalf they knew that if once you were restored to favour the suspended love of your father and uncles like a river breaking down a temporary obstruction would return with double force and that then you would expose and triumph over all their arts and now i hear they enjoy their successful malice your father is all rage and violence he ought i am sure to turn his rage inward all your family accuse you of acting with deep art and are put upon supposing that you are actually every hour exulting over them with your man in the success of it they all pretend now that your trial of wednesday was to be the last advantage would indeed my mother owns have been taken of your yielding if you had yielded but had you not been prevailed upon they would have given up their scheme and taken your promise for renouncing lovelace believe them who will they own however that a minister was to be present mr solmes was to be at hand and your father was previously to try his authority over you in order to make you sign the settlements all of it a romantic contrivance of your wild-headed foolish brother i make no doubt is it likely that he and bell would have given way to your restoration to favour supposing it in their power to hinder it on any other terms than those their heart had been so long set upon how they took your flight when they found it out may be better supposed than described your aunt hervey it seems was the first that went down to the ivy summer-house in order to acquaint you that their search was over betty followed her and they not finding you there went on toward the cascade according to a hint of yours returning by the garden door they met a servant they don't say it was joseph leman but it is very likely that it was he running as he said from pursuing mr lovelace a great hedge-stake in his hand and out of breath to alarm the family if it were this fellow and if he were employed in the double agency of cheating them and cheating you what shall we think of the wretch you are with run away from him my dear if so no matter to whom or marry him if you cannot your aunt and all your family were accordingly alarmed by this fellow evidently when too late for pursuit they got together and when a posse ran to the place of interview and some of them as far as to the tracks of the chariot wheels without stopping and having heard the man's tale upon the spot a general lamentation a mutual upbraiding and rage and grief were echoed from the different persons according to their different tempers and conceptions and they returned like fools as they went your brother at first ordered horses and armed men to be got ready for a pursuit 
Solmes and your uncle Tony were to be of that party, but your mother and your aunt Hervey dissuaded them from it, for fear of adding evil to evil, not doubting but Lovelace had taken measures to support himself in what he had done, and especially when the servant declared that he saw you run with him as fast as you could set foot to the ground, and that there were several armed men on horseback at a small distance off. My mother's absence was owing to her suspicion that the Nollies were to assist in our correspondence. She made them a visit upon it. She does everything at once, and they have promised that no more letters shall be left there without her knowledge. But Mr. Hickman has engaged one filmer, a husbandman in the lane we call Finch Lane, near us, to receive them. Thither you will be pleased to direct yours, under cover, to Mr. John Soberton, and Mr. Hickman himself will call for them there, and there shall leave mine. It goes against me, too, to make him so useful to me. He looks already so proud upon it. I shall have him, who knows, give himself airs. He had best consider that the favour he has been long aiming at may put him into a very dangerous, a very ticklish situation. He that can oblige may disoblige. Happy for some people not to have it in their power to offend. I will have patience, if I can, for a while, to see if these bustlings in my mother will subside. But upon my word, I will not bear this usage. Sometimes I am ready to think that my mother carries it thus on purpose to tire me out, and to make me the sooner marry. If I find it to be so, and that Hickman, in order to make a merit with me, is in the low plot, I will never bear him in my sight. Plotting wretch, as I doubt your man is, I wish to heaven that you were married, that you might brave them all, and not be forced to hide yourself, and be hurried from one inconvenient place to another. I charge you, omit not to lay hold on any handsome opportunity that may offer for that purpose. Here again comes my mother. We look mighty glum upon each other, I can tell you. She had not best harlow me at this rate. I won't bear it. I have a vast deal to write. I know not what to write first, yet my mind is full and ready to run over. I am got into a private corner of the garden to be out of her way. Lord help these mothers. Do they think they can prevent a daughter's writing or doing anything she has a mind to do by suspicion, watchfulness, and scolding? She had better place a confidence in one by half. A generous mind scorns to abuse a generous confidence. You have a nice, a very nice part to act with this wretch, who yet has, I think, but one plain path before him. I pity you, but you must make the best of the lot you have been forced to draw. Yet I see your difficulties. But if you do not offer to abuse your confidence, I would have you seem at least to place some in him. If you think not of marrying soon, I approve of your resolution to fix somewhere out of his reach, and if he know not where to find you, so much the better. Yet I verily believe they would force you back, could they but come at you, if they were not afraid of him. I think by all means you should demand of both your trustees to be put in possession of your own estate. Meantime, I have sixty guineas at your service. I beg you will command them. Before they are gone, I'll take care you shall be further supplied. I don't think you'll have a shilling, or a shilling's worth of your own, from your relations, unless you extort it from them. 
as they believe you went away by your own consent they are it seems equally surprised and glad that you have left your jewels and money behind you and have contrived for clothes so ill very little likelihood this shows of their answering your requests indeed every one who knows not what i now know must be at a loss to account for your flight as they will call it and how my dear can one report it with any tolerable advantage to you to say you did not intend it when you met him who will believe it to say that a person of your known steadiness and punctilio was over persuaded when you gave him the meeting how will that sound to say you were tricked out of yourself and people were given credit to it how disreputable and while unmarried and yet with him the man a man of such a character what would it not lead a censuring world to think i want to see how you put it in your letter for your clothes as you may depend upon all the little spiteful things they can offer instead of sending you what you write for pray accept the sum that i tender what will seven guineas do and i will find a way to send you also any of my clothes and linen for present supply i beg my dear clarissa that you will not put your anna howe upon a footing with lovelace in refusing to accept of my offer if you do not oblige me i shall be apt to think you rather inclined to be obliged to him than to favour me and if i find this i shall not know how to reconcile it with your delicacy in other respects pray inform me of everything that passes between you and him my cares for you however needless from your own prudence make me wish you to continue to be every minute if anything occur that you would tell me of if i were present fail not to put it down in writing although from your natural diffidence it should not appear to you altogether so worthy of your pen or my knowing a stander-by may see more of the game than one that plays great consequences like great folks generally owe their greatness to small causes and little incidents upon the whole i do not now think it is in your power to dismiss him when you please i apprised you beforehand that it would not i repeat therefore that were i you i would at least seem to place some confidence in him so long as he is decent you may very visibly observable to such delicacy as yours must be that behaviour in him which will make him unworthy of some confidence your relations according to what old antony says to my mother and she to me by way of threatening that you will not gain your supposed ends upon them by your flight seem to expect that you will throw yourself into lady betty's protection and that she will offer to mediate for you and they vow that they will never hearken to any terms of accommodation that shall come from that quarter for i dare aver that your brother and sister will not let them cool at least till their uncles have made such dispositions and perhaps your father too as they would have them make as this letter will apprise you of my alteration in the place to which you must direct your letter i send it by a friend of mr hickman who may be depended upon he has business in the neighbourhood of mrs sawlings and he knows her he will return to mr hickman this night and bring back any letter you shall have ready to send or can get ready it is moonlight he'll not mind waiting for you i choose not to send by any of mr hickman's servants at present however every hour is now or may be important and may make an alteration in your resolutions necessary 
I hear at this instant my mother calling about her and putting everybody into motion She will soon I suppose make me and my employment the subjects of her inquiry Adieu my dear may heaven preserve you and restore you with honor as unsullied as your mind to your ever affectionate Anna Howe End of letter 8